Can I say won't give it up? Lee Pereira. Welcome to the kitchen, man. I've been here before. Nice to have you back. Cat <laughs> <laughs> brings his own beverage. Yeah. It's man. blue. What is that? It's my favorite kombucha in the whole world. Okay. I'm waiting for the sponsorship. Yeah. All right. Welcome. Um where did you where did you grow up, Lee Pereira? The LBC. No shit? Yeah, Long Beach, California. Born and raised, Long Beach Memorial. Mom was born in Long Beach Memorial. Sister born in Long Beach Memorial. Okay. Um, now I don't have one single family member there. No kidding. Yeah. It, was it a recent thing that, that they moved? Or? Yeah. Um, so my sister, um, so basically I'm kind of split, right? So I have my mom, my stepdad, and my sister, Long Beach, California. That's mm -hmm. what's like how I grew up until 15 when mm -hmm. I moved here to Arizona. Uh, my dad, my stepmom, my brother were out here. And then, uh, you know, as we grow up, my sister got married. Uh, her husband's awesome. He's in IT and got a job opportunity in Raleigh or like a suburb outside of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, I'm so happy for them. They left like the concrete jungle, mm -hmm. the the like Melrose Place apartment, but on crack, you know, just like the the square with the the pool in the, the middle <laughs> yeah yeah but like but like gated not nicely gated like don't go outside at night you know it's, um, for, it's for their protection yeah. to not leave yes okay yes, okay yes. yeah um and now like you know they have a house with a grass yard and, yeah. and neighbors that wave yeah yeah live in the suburban fucking dream yeah yeah, and uh, and my mom, who would never leave California, like she don't go anywhere. She's um, has anxiety and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but all she had were her two grandkids, and when they left, I told my sister, "I was like, matter of time." And my sister, like, no way, mom's leaving. Well, her husband retired. They sold their condo. They moved to North Carolina. No shit. Yeah, to be that's great. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah, do yeah. you get out there? Yeah, I try to go once a year. Um, Hopefully I can go more soon, but um, I love it. I mean, when I go to Chattanooga to record, it's like a similar vibe, you know, mm -hmm. it's just so green. It's mm -hmm. so, it's just different than here, mm -hmm. you know? So I love it here, but it's so nice to go there. For sure. Yeah. I, I get that same vibe. You know, I grew up in Massachusetts going home. It's like, it's funny that you say it's so green, but it, it, it's like, it's overwhelmingly green. Yeah. It's it, like, it's like only green. Right. <laughs> Right. I feel like each region has its own magic, mm -hmm. you know? So, like, I go there, and I love it there. Like, um, just last month, me and my girl took a two-week road trip up the coast, drove through California, up in Oregon, and, like, you know, there, just, like, going for jogs, surrounded by trees, breathing mm -hmm. fresh air, mm -hmm. and you hear birds, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. it. You know? yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. like, nice. But then you come here, and you could... You know, you go to Flagstaff and experience that too, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's what's cool about out here, right? There's just so much diversity, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, between the lakes, between the forest, between the yeah. trees, between the desert. I did not expect that when I moved here. I thought it was just going to be flat and hot, you know? Yeah. But we drove down. I drove down with my buddy when I moved here in 2003, and I was like, wait, there are mountains in this state too? And there's like alpine situation, like Flagstaff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is a great place to come home to. I'm always I'm always grateful to be to be home. I remember when I moved out here when I was 15, pre Facebook. Yeah, I got like a letter, like a real one. I don't know if people know you put like an address on it, and you put a stamp on it. You know, people have addresses. Yeah, and you write on a piece of paper, you put a stamp on it, put it in the mailbox, and uh, and my friend was just like, so it's just like a bunch of tumbleweeds. Like what's out there, you know. <laughs> This is a like a California friend. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was my buddy who we played music. You know, yeah, twelve years old, ripping power chords. Yeah. Know. So tell me about that. So, 
um, when did when did you kind of get involved in music? And one other question that I love to ask is, like, what was the music that was played in the in the house growing up? Yeah, you know, um, two worlds. So. I didn't really have my dad growing up. My dad kind of came back into my life when I was about 12. So then at that point, every summer, I came out to Arizona and I stayed mm-hmm. with him. And then at 15, I moved out here. So, you know, before that, my mom's parents were like a huge influence in my life. And um, what's crazy is f- until my grandmother passed, I thought I was the only musical member of the family. Mm. It was a very um, touchy subject between my grandparents really? that nobody talked about. We'll touch on that. In okay, a good, good, good. Yeah. Um, so I was raised by my well, I was around my grandfather a lot. So he listened to classical music, Beethoven, Mozart, all the all that sort of stuff. Huh. My mom, faster pussycat, <laughs> LA guns, yeah, Aquanet. Wow. You know? Yeah. And uh so but what's what it did for me is it made me love guitar players. Yeah. It made me love front men. Yeah. Um I've I've never worn spandex, but you know But you would uh, if offered. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I, don't know, I could kind of see you with that like '80s hair, all permed out, just fucking getting after it. I'll find huh? a photo of my mom and my stepdad <laughs> during that realm. Yeah, my they're both completely covered in tattoos now. No kidding. Um, but back then, they both had very long, big hair. Love it. Yes. So, so I mean, that was I had classical music and I had '80s rock. Whoa. And you know, it's just you know. Interesting. Yeah. So that was the music that you kind of grew up yep. listening to. Uh, until I was like adolescent when Seattle Blue. Okay. And Early 90s. Yeah. Yep. And that was like, um, you know, I was born in 81, so I was 10 or so. Yeah. And um, that was like, oh, my music. Uh-huh. You know? And then I, I, I'd always wanted to play guitar because of what my mom listened to. Um, and then... Uh, my grandparents got me a mail order guitar uh, that was called the Terminator. It's about a three quarter size guitar that I still have that has a speaker in it mm. that runs on a nine volt battery and a high E string that will not ever tune. Interesting. Yes. It's a challenge. <laughs> It'll so make it easy. I didn't know what to do with it. And then, at, and then at 12 in middle school, I met somebody that was like, played guitar yeah and they're like oh yeah man you know uh uh you know string numbers and tab and, and i'm like what is that you know yeah. it's like, oh you could play iron man right you go six string open i'm like what, what is that you know yeah, yeah, yeah he told me i came out to my mom and i was like mm, mm, whatever i was like you know what it is mom and my, and my mom bless her heart right it's on the tip of my tongue <laughs> What is it? Oh, Iron Man. Of course. Of course. Now, yes, of course. Yeah. Keep practicing. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was, the, that was literally the beginning. So, okay, so early 90s, living in LBC, yeah. and grunge happens, and you get the guitar. I had it pre then. Prior to. Yeah. Uh-huh. So 15, that's like early high school. So you moved out here for high school? Yeah. So between sophomore, junior year, um, you know, me and my mom kind of had a falling out. Um, she was in the midst of addiction and, you know, that caused drama in the family. Mm. I had another option. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and my, my, what's funny is, you know, back then, how can you find anybody, right? So mm. we had moved around. My dad had sobered up and he contacted my grandfather and he was like, hey, you know, I, I want to see my son. And my grandfather said, okay. 
He's like, uh, you call me back next year when you're still sober. <clears throat> a year went by, and that was when I was 12. And right before that summer, my uh, my mom sat me down and said, hey, your dad's been contacting your grandfather and me, and uh, he's been sober over a year, and would you like to go see him? And I was like, yeah. Wow. You know? Holy shit. Um, so then, you know, when I moved out here, I didn't know anybody. You know, right. I, I went to Apollo High School on like 47th Avenue in Northern, um, I was this weird grunge kid with long hair and ripped jeans and a cardigan sweater and 110 degrees and fashion uh, forward always <laughs> sitting under the willow tree at reading Edgar Allan Poe books, you know, yeah, edgy, dark. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then halfway through my, my junior year, I just went to my dad and I was like, I hate it. Yeah. I will do anything to not go to school. And so I was, I was still 15 and, and my dad said, um, get your GED and get a job. So I got my GED at uh, Glendale Community College, took the test, passed, and started working at Whataburger. No shit. There it is. Holy fuck. Hold on. Can you t we, t go back to the, the, the issue in the family with the yeah. music thing? What was that? So yeah, so uh, what's crazy is there's some news clippings of my grandma. So um, back in the day, whatever type of American Idol singing competition type thing that whatever existed back then um my grandma did extremely well hmm. and all we know is my grandma recorded a couple lps like legit records Whoa. um a song here a song there and um and did this thing was in the newspaper and big deal and all of a sudden when she started getting more attention my grandfather was no longer available to drive her to auditions and said things so they were married at the time yeah they got married super young so my grandmother was going to be a nun until my grandfather convinced her otherwise changed her mind <laughs> yes and i think they were like 21 and 19 whoa yeah so okay so she was getting some attention mm -hmm. and he didn't like that that's her story okay and his story is things just didn't work out <laughs> i like your grandfather <laughs> Okay, so there was music in the family. There was, yeah, there really was. Yeah. And what's funny is, like, she was always so supportive of it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. but, but of you. Of, of me. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. But never, it was never spoken of until after she passed. Whoa. Yeah. All right, so you, you get your GED, start working. Flipping burgers. Flipping burgers. Yeah, man. And, like, what was the progression for you to, to really getting into music in a, in a professional way. Man, um, when the economy crashed, so um, from somewhere around 17, I met some dudes in a pool hall. Um, you know, at that time, like, right, I was working. I was kind of doing my own thing. Um, me and my boy would go out. Uh, actually, the one who wrote me the letter about the tumbleweeds, he moved out here for a little bit. And um, he played guitar, I played guitar. We'd go to the pool halls and just hang out. And we met these guys who were, like, 24 and they had like a uh they had a trio and so we're like well let's hang out you know so we all hung out we told them we were older than we were uh, you know i can't be 17 you know <laughs> we were 19. And actually my first two tattoos i got from the bass player's girlfriend who worked at a tattoo shop and they all thought i was seven or 19 and then years later i told them my real age and and the bass player's girlfriend was very pissed off <laughs> very pissed off it didn't help our relationship at all, but 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 we hung out. My friend then moved back to California. We did this thing called Heavy Manor, 
um, for a few years. We played at the, like the Bash on Ash. Yeah. Um, and, and it was cool, but that trio that I kind of joined um, had their own drama. They were like high school friends, and this person slept with this person's ex and, and mm-hmm. all this weird stuff. And, I mean, I was just trying to play guitar and take right. some mushrooms or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, standard. Typical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we, we did our thing, you know, and um, and then the singer had a falling out and so then at 19 when i really was 19 right not the fake 19 right right um he he left and the band kind of disbanded and then i went back to the rhythm section and i said hey man like you guys want jam yeah and at that moment i started singing now let, let's be clear when i was in the other band i was trying to sing harmonies which i still can't do um they were just like bro lee um <laughs> just don't don't do that. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> so like at 19, when I started playing with them, I started writing songs. I would just kind of sing with the guitar. You know, mm-hmm. I'd play like riff oriented stuff and yep. I would kind of base it off that. Yeah. And then that went for like nine years that we called that Isle of Essence. Um, I had long hair. I wore no shoes. I still, okay. I still walked on the bar barefoot. I, Whoa, I did yeah. my thing and we did some regional touring. I put my everything into it. And then at about 26, 27, the economy crashed. Yeah. Um, and um, there was tension in the band. Not everybody was invested. Right. You know? Sure. And, um, and so that started to fall apart. And I, I got, I lost my job. I was unemployed for like nine months. And um, the first job I got was a call center job to help people fill out student loans and student grants. Well, because I had no income. They, well, they made you fill it out so you knew how to help somebody fill it out. Okay, okay. I got approved for everything, and I put my two-week <laughs> notice in, and I went to Phoenix College, and I studied uh, under, like, Benji Messer and Miles Yos. That's where I met Bob Powers. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That literally was the turning moment in yeah. my career, and I, I spent two years there, and by the end of those two years, I was teaching beginning guitar privately to, like, 15, 20 students. Mm. I was gigging, like twice a week and mind you i came from like this rock and roll band so like i was awkward as hell playing acoustic guitar and singing by myself hmm. this this guy hit me up he's like hey i got this bistro called mumbles that's i think that's where i met jay allen hmm. and uh and he's like can you play three hours i was like sure you know <laughs> how, many, how many songs is that <laughs> very long intros right 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 yeah, yeah. extended Pre- solos free loops no yeah. there were no there was just kind of riffing right you know? right um and back then it was like if somebody asked for me to play a song again i was like yes <laughs> for you good idea first of all <laughs> to thank you yeah now it's like oh, i played that earlier right you know right i played that in the first set sorry yeah. can't, do it. can't do it twice yeah that's blasphemy yeah so all right so were you here like were you a part of kind of the mill avenue scene i i missed it right um, yeah, like the long wongs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I Nita's def- and, and, you know, all those kind of iconic. Yeah. Tempe mill situation. I, I wasn't a part of like, um, uh, was it Belos? Yes. Belos. So, so that Belos was happening when I was still in that original band. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never got in that, but we were hanging out with, um, like strange young things, which Dan mm-hmm. Petrosino was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we're hanging out, um, the band banana gun, the singer used to have a trio and it was called ghost of America. Hmm. 
and Decker used to have a band called A Vacant Night Sky. Damn, how do you remember all this shit? I don't know. That's incredible. I think you so. You just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there was a place on Scottsdale called Sugar Daddy's? Yes. Yes. I played there. Oh my. Fuck hey. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, was a, it was a place. And those were the cats, dude. Like, I, I really loved Brandon Decker. I really yeah. loved um, Kevin Lloyd. And those were the guys. Like, back then, it seemed like it was a bunch of metal bands playing at, like, Joe's Grotto. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, I was like, hey, you you don't play metal. This is awesome. Like, right. We're playing uh, Hollywood Alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And I, I remember the first time I saw Ghost of America, um, I like went in there. The sound guy's like, hey, dude, you're going to love this band. They're like funky rock and roll too, you know? And he's got like a Fender DeVille like you. Uh-huh. Plays a Strat. I'm yeah. like, okay, let's see this guy, you know? <laughs> and they smashed it, you know? Yeah. And I like go out to hide and tell my guys, I'm like, dude, these guys are awesome. Yeah. Like, well, you, you better bring it, bro. <laughs> You know, don't don't freaking mess up. You know what I mean? We're about to freaking throw it down right now. You know what I mean? These guys gotta know we're friends, you know. I'm gonna let it all Love it. tonight. But leave my money down. But you can't see that you know me well. Begin a day when we were friends. I haven't seen him for a year or so. We, are, we, are, we have to talk about 16 by 16, but I want to know more about how you got to that point. And I'm just curious, that transition, um, like the whole Ellen, like tell me that moment where you had this idea, you wanted to get in front of her, you she inspired you, and gosh, like I know it's a lot of information, but that moment of inception... And then how did you actually put it to work? So um, as a musician, um, I feel like we put our heart out there, you know, and um, I feel very passionate about the people in this town and and the musicians in this town. You know, Um, I've traveled enough to to see some other scenes. Obviously, I have not ever gotten into the heart of other scenes. but so many talk, people talk about the big stuff, Austin, New Orleans, whatever. But like, I think we have, I'm not trying to be competitive, but I think we stand up with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Agreed. so many talented, good people, right? Mm-hmm. We support each other. We mm-hmm. actually love and root for each other. Your success is my success, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. And um, with that said, though, I think we're all trying to find like that home run, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I, we're always grinding. Like, you could see it. In all of us, you know, mm-hmm. but how can we just knock one over the fence? And so to bring it back to my grandparents, they always loved, and this is just my um, understanding, and who knows if my understanding is correct. Um, so my grandparents loved David Letterman. They hated Jay Leno, <laughs> just to be clear. I know they're listening draw, somewhere. Draw a line in the sand <laughs> yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. Very passionately. But when they would see artists on these late night shows they'd be like oh man one day like we're gonna see you you know Mm. and it just really drove it in my brain and like back then i remember and maybe again my memory isn't correct but i I was pretty sure that like conan o'brien broke radiohead and like arsenio hall broke tony braxton and it Mm. seemed like there was this Mm -hmm. opportunity you know times have changed i know record labels you know grease the wheel and and it's not like you can just email them and be like, hi, man, like I think Brian Chartrand would be great for your show. And they'd be right. like, oh, man, I dig his stuff. Let me check him out. Yeah. We'll do some research. We'll click on these links. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, 
because that wasn't there, my brain would always think like, you know what? And so I do have an interesting story. You know, um, I have, uh, I lost my brother in 2013, my only brother to heroin. During that time, I was trying to ruin my own life. I got three DUIs in six months. And, um, and you know, I, I've come back from that, you know? And, um, and so I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like Ellen does inspiring shit. So let me come on your show, hmm. share some of my inspiring story, and then let me play a song. And so one day I finally was like, well, let me just look on her website. And on her website, it's like, you can submit here. And it's like, did your dog do something funny? Does, did your teacher is amazing? And does she deserve to have her student loans paid off? Mm. Do you want Ellen to make your dreams come true? And it's uh, examples were, do you want to meet Taylor Swift? Do you want to tour uh, the Boston Red Sox, uh, you know, ballpark? Hmm. And I was like, no, just bring me on the show. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> that, That's my dream. That's right my there. dream right there. Right, right. So sometime in September, I started doing a video blog every single day. And I started submitting to her website. Short little thing, whatever I was doing that day. Maybe it was an auction pavilion VIP thing for Rascal Flats. Maybe, maybe it was me donating my time to one of these three charities that I run for. Because that's how I started with them. I just started... For an hour, once a month, I'd go play at a facility for children with cancer or victims of abuse. And these are all things that are personal to me, and that's why I did them. And so towards the end of 2018, um, I got a response back from one of her producers. Mm. I'll never forget, it was a Monday night. It's like eight something at night, and I come running down the house, the stairs that we were living at the time, me and my girl. And I was like, baby, we did it. You know what I mean? Got an answer. Quit the job. (laughs) I did it. You know, and, um, <laughs> and, you know, and they loved what I was about. They loved yeah. what I was doing. And, um, they're like, sweet. You know, um, they even called me, they, they asked for my legal name and did a background check, did a background check on serenity. And, um, Whoa, I was yeah. like, we're good. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know? Home run. And so because I followed through, I didn't want to stop the video blog. That was a good story too. So I kept doing that. This was like right at in the holidays. And so literally, you can see this on my YouTube on December 31st, 2018. I'm doing my video blog. I'm going for like a four-mile jog. It's lightly raining. And I'm like, blah, 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 Ellen. I'm like, what do I got to do to get your attention? Do I need to run all the way to California? Ha, 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 ha. And then I stopped the video, and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and I went home. I told my girl, and she's like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then they ghosted me. Yeah, and so yeah, I didn't yeah. hear from them again. And so I was like, screw it. I mean, I'm a little stubborn. And so um, three months later, I did it. And, yeah. and we did it to raise money for the three foundations I work for in town. Arizona Cancer Foundation for Children, Chrysalis Driving Out Domestic Violence, Arizona Healthcare Foundation, which helped out the elderly, and the Ellen Fund. Wow. Um, did it, made it, um, completed the mission, uh, talked to this producer on the phone when I got there, said, um, again, what you're doing is amazing. Um, but we don't have any spot for you. Uh, let me see if I can get you some tickets just to be a guest on the show. I was like, oh, that'd be funny. They're just going to bring me on. They're going to surprise me, right? Right, right. But they still didn't give me no tickets, though. <laughs> um, and so then somebody um, I didn't even know asked to go to lunch with me afterwards and said, you know, what you did was inspiring. You should start a nonprofit. Like, this is amazing. So I did that. I was like, let's do it again. So I did it again last year. COVID hit. Didn't want to be stuck in California, so mm-hmm. we pivoted and we did 16 marathons in 16 days in 16 Arizona cities. Mm-hmm. The response of that was amazing. People like Stanley Serrano and his wife on the side of the road with signs. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. Although running through the Mojave Desert and the San Bernardino Mountains was epic, 
it was pretty special to have friends and loved ones show up and support me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then um, this year, um, we did it again. And, um, you know, I, I posted a little video about it. And, um, and also what's crazy off topic is that during the marathons, I kept thinking to myself, man, like, I'm going to hit up Chartran. I would love for the first podcast I do after this to be with him. That's awesome. I, I'm a little tore up, you know, and like I don't text everybody when I'm in the middle of all this sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. And then the man texted me. That's right. That's yeah. right. I was yeah. thinking about you. I was thinking, I mean, I was, you know, watching this whole thing unfold. And then I saw that video with the cease and desist bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to talk to this motherfucker immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was wild, dude. And, and here, you know, um, you know about that Matthew McConaughey book, Green Lights? I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, so I listened to that recently, and one of the things that he talks about is recognize when you're getting red lights. Hmm. Recognize when stuff is more difficult than it should be. Stop banging your head on the wall, right? But also recognize when you have green lights. Don't get in your own way. When you're flowing on something and the universe keeps giving you signs, like, move in that direction. Right. And so literally, the day before I got the first season to desist, uh, a, a, a woman friend of mine was running the last like five miles with me and, um, and she's not a fan of Ellen and, and she literally just said like, Hey, um, would you ever consider like going on a show where they might want an opportunity to talk bad about Ellen considering like all that you've done and, and they've just turned you away. And I was like, that's not my vibe, you know, right. like I'm about inspiring people and, and, and that's changed my life. You know, um, I remember a time at the Womack a memory I have with you that is really special to me. And you asked me in that moment, you're like, how are you doing? And I literally looked at you and I was like the best I've ever fucking been. And you like looked at me like, what really? And that's how I felt at that time. Yeah. And I've used that as like a gauge of how I feel like that was just genuine, you know? And so the next day I got the cease and desist. <laughs> and the first letter was so rude and aggressive. Um, and here's the point I want to make. There's always a way to go about something right and so they took screenshots of my socials they sent me this thing they sent me this very aggressive letter very threatening letter said some stuff that i even consulted with lawyer friends of mine that is just illegal like saying uh, i'm entered into an immediate confidentiality agreement that if i talk about this that i could be sued which is bullcrap like you can't just say brian you're in a confidentiality agreement right we, right, we, we, right. we didn't agree to it what are you talking about right you know? right and so i knew they were trying to bully me and so again the the approach right they looked at all my stuff on some level they could have seen that all the other foundations comment on my stuff right share my stuff right. post their own stuff about it right there's pictures of me presenting checks so instead of being for lack of better words, a rude fucking asshole, they could have been like, hey, Lee, because um, their biggest gripe was they said I never donated. Right, right. And so they could have said, hey, we see you doing this amazing stuff. Seems like the other foundations are all about you. Yeah. And you've presented checks. For some reason, we haven't received the check, but right. that's not the way they went about it. Right. And I'm also in the middle of running marathons. I'm stubborn. I feel like you're challenging my character and my person. I'm a little upset at first, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I call... I leave a message with somebody, like a person. I don't get a call back, so I just forge ahead. I'm kind of in the middle of something. You know? <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle of something. Is Literally. A, is a very light way of saying you were running 16 marathons in 16 fucking days. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of something. Yeah. Right? And so then, you know, um, 
So that was, that was day five that I got that initial correspondence. And then I think day 10 or 11, I forget what day it was. I got a second one from a different lawyer saying the same stuff, though. This guy was not rude. I will make a differentiation between the two. Right. But he was stating the same thing. And so, you know, I called again. I was like, look it, I called before. Nobody called me back. And they, they, the lady that answered said, look it, uh, I'll let them know, give you a call. But I implore you to respond to the email. So after running my 10th or 11th marathon in a row, I stay up till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, gathering my proof and all right. my, my copy of the cashier checks, the USPS receipt of it being mailed, the, you know, the confirmation of delivery that it was picked up at a PO box in Beverly Hills, California on this date at this time. Right. Like, and so right. I put all that together. I send it again, another universal confirmation. I go, um, after I put all that together, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go sit on the couch for one second before I go to bed. I'm going to hop on social media. I'm going to read a couple of messages because people are super positive towards me and, and saying nice things. So let me just put some positivity in myself before I go to sleep. Right. I go, I sit down on the couch. I literally open up my phone. The first DM I read on Instagram is from a, a, a woman who's supported all three years. And I'm ne and I never had one, the woman, woman that said, would I go on a show and that doesn't really care for Ellen. Nobody's ever asked me that. And then this time I go and I sit down, open the DM, and then the lady writes, Lee, what you're doing is amazing. It's inspiring. But I have to say, I'm not a fan of Ellen. Huh. And um, is there any way I can make a donation to where my money only goes to the three Arizona charities and not to Ellen? And I literally laugh. I'm like, what's the universe telling me? Right. And I respond, I'm like, that's very weird that you have sent me this. I'm like, uh, your wish will most likely be coming true here in the coming days. I can't say anything now. Oh, my God. And so then the next day, I was in Gilbert. I was doing my thing. And um, and obviously, like, this is on my mind, you know? Sure. And um, I'm battling with Ellen DeGeneres' lawyers <laughs> while running 436 miles in 16 days. For, for her fucking charity. <laughs> I mean, that's the... I mean, I don't know, you know, just, just to, I, I want you to keep going, but you're doing this for her charity mm -hmm. and you've done it now a number of years. This is, is this the third yep, year? Third year. And we've raised over $40,000 so far. And I just can't, I can't even fucking say the words and they're, and they're telling you to stop mm -hmm. immediately, <laughs> immediately. I just don't fucking get it. And so, so I. I, um, it's on my mind. The guy hasn't responded. And so, um, I do a little research. I find his number, like his number <laughs> and uh, I call him and, uh, he answers and I'm like, uh, David so-and-so. And he said, uh, yeah. I'm like, awesome. This is Lee Pereira. Quiet, very quiet. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> and I, I literally like to the point, I was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, are you there? Still there. I was like, this is David so-and-so. You've you yeah. been emailing me about the cease and desist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do I need to remind you, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, yes, I can help you. And, and so we talked, and I, I just, I don't know how to be anything but myself, you know, yeah. um, to a fault. And I was just like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Like, um, and, and here's the thing, too, that there was some more correspondence, and and they kept saying things or commenting on things that made it painfully clear they're not even reading mm -hmm. the information i'm giving them right they're making statements i'm like well did 
did you not read what right. I wrote you in the last email? Like, right. why, why are you even saying that? I already explained X, Y, and Z. Right, right. And so we talk, and I just, you know, I mean, he seemed so awkward because, uh, you know, the lawyer friends that I consulted that are literally friends of mine, one of them literally said, like, have them call me. Like, I will yeah. take this on for you, you know? Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'll handle it. Like, when you stand on truth and you have proof, right. I'm not scared. Let's see if we can resolve this. If it gets nasty, I'll, I'll definitely right. bring you in. And I just told, spoke to him like I would do. I was like, bro, I'm like, you got the wrong guy, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a marathon right now in Gilbert, <laughs> no standing in a parking lot. Literally, a, a friend of mine, because I have my GPS tracker. Yeah. Like, you know that, like, story of life? Everybody's like the straight line, but it's really like the squiggly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a friend of mine screenshotted this squiggly, like, back and forth for, like, an hour. They're like, what are you doing? Like, I, like, I can't talk right now, you know? <laughs> And so I, I tell him, you know, and I was like, dude, like, I don't know what the issue is, you know. And, and the bottom line, he says, like, Lee, I can't offer you any legal advice. All I can say is my client wants a cease and desist immediately. And I said, okay, cool. And so, you know, again, their big gripe was that I never donated, right? And so, again, they said they checked records of these certain years. And I said, again, are you not reading what I sent you? I, I just mailed both checks and, and here's x y reasons why you know in year two i thought i was going to carry year one's check to burbank again mm -hmm. but then i didn't run to burbank because of covid also that's why it took me a while to respond i put it in a nice box with decorative paper and a handwritten letter and the checks and put a bow on it and mailed it you know i'm like where is this box where's this over five thousand dollars that i donated right and he's just like well even if you found the money it's not going to change my client's decision and i said listen sir i go at this point it has nothing to do with your client's decision to cease and desist cease and desist granted right where's the five thousand dollars i right. raised right by running 32 marathons for your charity right and why are you not concerned about it right and so um i said all i want to know is can i continue the conversation with you while i look into this more and he said sure and so then the next day I'm in Sedona running a marathon. I'm nine miles into that marathon. I'm running by a Wells Fargo. I call my babe and I said, babe, I'm going to go in this Wells Fargo. She's like, I really think you should probably finish the marathon first. <laughs> and I said, I no, now's the time. And uh, she's like, oh, okay. Seems to always work out for you. <laughs> and so I literally hit pause. I go in there two hours oh my God. in there while they track down and find out the cashier's checks have never been cashed. Oh my God. So, I pay $31 per check to have put a stop on them, yeah. get them reissued, fill out a bunch of paperwork. They're on hold with corporate Wells Fargo to get all this done. And because the lawyers weren't very pleasant to me at all and seemed to not read anything I send them, um, very awkwardly, I asked the Wells Fargo employee, I said, sweet, we got these forms filled out. We got the new cashier's checks. I'm like, can you do me a favor? And he's like, what? I'm like can you hold up the forms and I'll hold up the checks and could we have another employee take a photo of us? So like I have a photo with the Wells Fargo employee with said forms and <laughs> right. the cashier's checks. So right. you can't say nothing because right. he, we're there two hours. He heard the whole story. Right. You know? Right. Right. And he's like, of course, you know, That's awesome. so we take the photos while we're doing that. I drafted my email to send to this guy and say, look at here. It all is, you know, um, you know, where can I send these checks? Blah, blah, blah. And like all this, I'm in the middle of a marathon, whatever I come out. Um, my girl, was waiting for me I, you know fist pump rocky moment like i did it you know yeah, like yeah like, i don't know what the deal is but screw these people i proved my innocence right i can go free of mind and right. finish this thing threw on some pantera and it was just like Ugh. <laughs> i mean I, i'm sure all of the people in sedona were wondering what the dude wearing all white screaming <laughs> walk you know as i'm running through the sedona right, mountains right um and um you know i felt vindicated and at peace and um and on the last day 
my girl calls me and she goes, Hey, um, I know you're running whatever. She said, I want to tell you that the lawyer wrote you back. I said, Oh, okay. Let me, let me stop. I pull up. She said, Oh, don't stop. Said, take one second. I said, okay. All the person wrote back. No, thanks. No apology. No, nothing. All he said was the address you mailed the first two checks to is the correct address. <laughs> one sentence. So, um, I have the checks at the moment. Um, no way in hell am I going to mail them again because yeah. who knows what happened last time. I'm going to go back to Wells Fargo probably in a couple of weeks when I have some time. I'm pretty sure there's a way that they can um, cancel those checks again and put the funds in my account and I'll make an electronic payment and be done with it. You know, some people have said, why well, give her the money? And, you know, at the end of the day, the first two years, I represented that I was raising money for her charity as right. well as three others. Right. To, that money belongs to that, that foundation. And um, and that'll be the final stamp on it. You wow. know? It's, it's, it's wild. It's that absolutely is. wild. I watched that. I watched your your video about it, and I just I was just shaking my head in disbelief. I couldn't believe it. it it's hard to believe. Yeah, I told the lawyer on the phone. The last thing I said to him was, I said, "Man, you know what's crazy? Because I just spoke to him like a dude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just a person. I don't care. If you're a lawyer, and right. and I know I haven't done anything wrong. I said, man." With everything that's gone on and all the news about her. Right. Which, like, I, I'm not making any judgment. I don't know what happened to checks. I don't know whatever, right? But all I know is, like, with everything that's gone on, I'm the best PR story yeah. that's never happened to her. Yeah. Y'all are crazy, bro. Totally agreed. You're freaking crazy. She needs some fucking PR love. And you would have been signed, fucking sealed, delivered. Yeah. And she didn't do a fucking thing. And the obviously producers knew. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, everyone knows the story. Like... I, they don't even got work on the story. I have the videos. I have the photos. It's like, all done. Here you go. Yeah. Make your seven and a half minute clip. Right. And holy you shit. know, and it could be like, oh man, that'll inspire. And like, right. here's the bottom line too, because people have said some stuff, and and some people are like, I'm so sorry for you or whatever. I'm not sorry. Look at what I've become because of it. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. she would have answered the door on year one, I would have never done this again. Mm. I would have never started a five hundred one c three. Yep. Uh, you know, now, now it's become this thing and the, and, and the inspiration that it brings in the community, the inspiration and the light that it brings to the foundations I run for, you know, we're talking about children's cancer. We're talking about victims of abuse. Those are dark things. Mm -hmm. And for those 16 days, those foundations are looking at me mm -hmm. and they're pulled out of that darkness for a little bit, you know? So I'm beyond grateful that she didn't answer the door truly yeah. and genuinely, Yeah, you know? Um, and I feel that, um, for me personally, the best is yet to come. Fucking great. Love it. And it's just the truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. Jesus. I feel like I need to, I'm going to go cry for about five minutes. <laughs> A good cry. I'm going to have a really good cry. <laughs> and then let's get back at it. All right. Now, here in Arizona, we're kind of getting into the dog days of summer. It's the end of August. I'm just ready for that fall temp. But I do know this. We still got some heat. We still got some hot days, people. And what you need to think about is which delicious beverage will you be consuming at the pool? I mean, this is a serious thing here in Arizona. Look no further, people. I got it figured out. Don't even worry about this. My friends at Santan Spirits, they have these Sunsplash Vodka Sodas. Refreshing. Refreshing. Delicious. Delicious. I'm trying this, um, this white peach smash. Hmm, you say? I'm intrigued. Check them out. 
SantanSpirits.com. This is the beverage for the last remaining pool days. Get some. Do you really want it? I'm going to edit all that out, actually. Yeah, now is actually the official start of the podcast. (laughs) Well, then in that case, I'm going to take this opportunity to make a public service announcement. Please. I listened to the podcast with Chad Gregory. Oh, yeah. And and he said that that he is not special. Yeah. And I just want to let him know that he is very special. He is so special. As we all are. (laughs) (laughs) But he's extra special. He is very special. Yeah, he is special. Um, You have... All right, so, so... you have the you have the nonprofit, mm-hmm. and and you're a you know full time working musician, and we were talking on the break a little bit about uh, kind of the booking side of things mm-hmm. that that you do or did. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what kind of percentage of your time is spent still booking? Too much. No shit. Um, no, it's just um, you know the the thing that I've come to realize with booking is that it, it, it's a now type thing, mm. right? So. Um, I'm very supportive of musicians. You know, I, I definitely represent both sides. You know, mm-hmm. I want obviously the venue or the client to be happy and their needs to be met. But I also, as a working musician, know right. um, that if you get a corporate offer, um, like I'm going to do everything I, I can to get your gig covered. Right. And I've actually never told anybody no. Hmm. If you hit me up and you're like, don't take advantage of me now. Like, <laughs> but if you if you hit me up and you're like, hey, bro, like um, like a musician just hit me up today. said, hey, um, I know this last minute. I just got a wedding offer for this Friday. That's two days from now. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of booking people because I deal with them, too, who are like, well, before you say yes, mm. let me check. Right. I don't operate that way. I know that that's how we make our money, right. you know. And so I say, cool, I'll get you covered. You know, right. I prefer more than two days. Right. But, you know, you awesome. understand it. I understand it. I feel like that is that is the advantage of I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages of being a musician who also books. But the, one of the biggest advantages is that you understand. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're not just Larry off the street who's trying to who's trying to book musicians and doesn't understand a situation like that. And they're just treating it as a paycheck. Right. You know, right. I, I, I get it. I want that gig, too. You know, right. that, that right. helps makes the difference in your month. Right. You know, one gig could make the difference for you. Could so, make the month. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I do the booking, but, but it's a very now type thing. So like, you know, say I'm coming over to do the Brian Chartran podcast, you know, um, but somebody hits me up and they need some covered. Like, I understand that other people are booking, other people got gigs. Like I need to reach out now. Yeah. So, um, I don't like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's something that has to take my attention now mm-hmm. um so i haven't i'm no longer like expanding the booking business you know um we have our clients we have our people i work with and we're super happy with that um and and we're at a level where i'm able to fill all the positions with very quality people mm-hmm. and quality musicians so mm-hmm. I, I, right where we're at is yep no more yeah 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 um did how did how did that business but also just you know the creative musical side of you how did last year affect i mean obviously it had an effect on everybody on on a, on a number of levels various levels for whatever but um how did you maintain uh your kind of creative vision last year like how i guess for me j- for me, what last year taught me was that my um, 
happiness, my sense of fulfillment is really tied to performing. It's really tied to that, the three hours on stage or whatever, uh, I feel fulfilled when I get to do that. And if I don't get to do that, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, For man. me, you know, how did it affect you? Um, it made me think about things differently, you know. Um, it made me make sure that I focused on what I could do, you know. So, um, you know, I did uh, record... I, so in the month of November, I recorded seven new songs in two different sessions. Um, was that out in Chattanooga? No, this this year um, or last year, it was in STEM mm, uh, with okay. Curtis. Yeah, um, I did two songs um, with a band. Well, one song with a band. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Duncan Brown. Mm -mm. Um, he was a musician here um, that passed away suddenly and tragically, uh, tragically, and. Um, you know, I won't ever say like I was one of his best friends, but um, we were definitely members of the community and, and hugged when we saw each other and stuff. And um, when that happened, that was actually uh, while my brother was super struggling on the streets and uh, he passed two months before my brother passed. Mm. And uh, I'll never forget, I was actually at Evo. Um, I was watching Chad Gregory and Jeff Ochiltree do their Sunday night duo. And uh, I saw... I don't know if somebody texted me or if I saw on Facebook or something, but that he had passed. And um, I just, I went in the parking lot, I cried, I wrote this song. Y you know, y you just knew it was a song. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, um, Creamy, um, yeah. drummer, um, he was in his band. Jess Pruitt, bass player, was uh, in Andrew Duncan's band. I think they were called The Rascals. Um, and um, and so, anyway, what at his service... Um, which was more of, of a gathering of musicians um, that played his music. So like the Sugar Thieves played one of his songs and Banana Gun played one of his songs. And um, I felt super awkward. I played this song that just came to me. Um, and Michael Lander from the Sugar Thieves played with me that night. And um, and then I never did anything with it. You know, it was just this moment. And earlier, like right before COVID hit last year, I ran into to Creamy at Cashmere's. He was playing with somebody. And he said, hey, man, whatever happened to that song? And I, I said, uh, I mean, I got it. You know, I, I don't know. He's like, well, if you decide to ever do anything with it, like, I want to be a part of it. I was like, cool, well, of course, you know. And so, like, that was in my head. And so when everything happened, we got shut down. Um, I was trying to think about, like, what I can do. And so it just made sense. Like, what can you do? We can record new music and release new music. So... Um, I scheduled a session with with him, Jess Pruitt, Michael Lander playing slide guitar, and uh, and LG. And what's so funny too, on a side note, when I sent a mix of this to Kyle Phelan, he goes, "Bro, that is the best slide solo I've ever heard you play." <laughs> I said, "Thanks, bro. That's Michael Lander." <laughs> and he's uh, like, "He's like, oh, well, I mean, I know you do your thing too." <laughs> yeah, I love it. But yeah, man, I, I focused um, I focused on on recording some new music, um, and what it did for me too, man, is I was raised with my dad trimming palm trees during the summertime, and you work when there's work mm -hmm. because you never know when there's not going to be work, mm. and so that's why I was the guy playing ten gigs in a week, right, seven days a week, and um, and what it did for me is somehow me and my fiance got through it, right? We, yeah, the lights stayed on. We ate, 
um, had a lot more time on our hands. And it made me realize I didn't need to do that mm. to survive. Mm. And, and it was a tough thing for me. Like I just, it's so hard for me to say no to a gig, to mm. money, you know, mm. you want to give me 200 bucks, I'll be there, you know? Right. And, um, so it helped me with balance. Hmm. It helped me realize, like, I always would grind, grind, grind. I'd crash for a few days. I'd grind for a month. I'd crash for a few days. And I had this cycle, you know? Sure. And um, so it helped me develop balance. It helped me start to think about balance, you right. know? Right. If I went to the gym, I was at the gym all the time. If I was hiking, I was hiking all the time. If I was playing gigs, I played 12 in a week, you know? Right. Like it, right. So it helped me be like, okay, bro, like, you can turn it off right. at 5. Right. And watch a little TV. Right. And breathe. Go I for mean, a walk. But I, I think you, you touched on just we're, we're so um, that mentality that that get it while you it's get it while you can mentality yeah. as, a, as a musician is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you say, you can and, and maybe one of the benefits of, of being in this community is that you can work. Yeah. seven to ten gigs i mean that that's possible right yeah. it's great but you also as you say you need to know when to say no you mm-hmm. know and that's almost the hardest thing mm-hmm. you think you're going to lose the relationship with the establishment right. or yeah it's just it was hard for me it right. really was yeah we're blessed right like we go to work we get tips we get compliments yeah we get smiles I mean, who's going to the IT guy and going right. like, Brian, you killed that email today. <laughs> Woo! You know? God, that made me feel right. good. Right. You know? Right. Here's 20 bucks, bro. <laughs> Can you write another email right now? Show me how you did that. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, it also made me appreciate it. Right? Yeah. When it came back, yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah. Right? Because, like, I can have a bad day. By the end of those three hours, right. I'm not having a bad day. Yeah. I do feel fulfilled. That's I do feel like true, yeah. I've released it. It's yeah. almost like going to the gym or something, yeah. right? Like you've released. It's therapeutic. Yeah. For sure. You know. And just what you sing. Like I, I don't know if you experienced it too, but like sometimes like I sing one of my songs I might have wrote five years ago and it applies to me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you still haven't learned that lesson, Lee? Right. Like chill out you know <laughs> right right accept this you know right. you wrote the damn song it right. sounds great why don't you apply it you right know? right so i i do i mean it's such a it's such a release it's an opportunity to connect with other humans yeah it's an opportunity to just smile with people and and, and, and you know exchange energy yeah um so it, it was definitely missed i mean it made me look for different things and uh, experience different things but i mean damn i was so happy when it came back yeah. you know there's no escaping from the life you've been creating if you really live out your dreams why you mess with other things baby stop itching by what you can't control not every key fits in every keyhole Get a hold of yourself Get a hold of yourself, I say Oh, yeah Well, didn't you know Your reflection was real You believed your own show 
Oh, uh, let's rap about that tune. We just yeah. we listened to it on the break. Sounds awesome. Tell me um, who's who's playing and where you cut it, and and then kind of the inspiration behind the tune. Yeah, man. So um, I mentioned in November I did that thing with uh, Creamy and Jess Pruitt, Michael Lander, LG. Um, and so in that same month, later that month, I had five songs that I took in the stem recording, um, which is Curtis Grippy. He's in Paradise Valley. He's a staple in this state. Um, sweetest freaking guy I've ever known. He's just a beautiful soul. You know, you feel good when you walk in there. And, um, you know, I, Buddy Banks is my guy. Yeah. Um, love him. Dylan Paul Thomas is my guy. Love him. Uh, Ted Belladin is my guy. Love him. So they're all on it. Um, we went in there. We did the five songs. This was one of them. Um, and just because I want it on the record, um, how I met Dylan, I was 27. I was busking on Mill Avenue with a drummer friend of mine. Dylan was 17. Looks exactly the same. Right. <laughs> that cat does not age. No. No. And, um, and so we're busking, you know, and all of a sudden, 17-year-old Dylan walks up, and he's just like, hey, man, I play bass. Can I jam with you guys? And I was just like, uh, oh, okay. But, like, one, I don't know you. Right. Two, I'm busking on the street. Three, bass is the last instrument that you would ever just sit in on. Right. I don't know your shit. Let me just play the bass line. Right. What? You right. know what I mean? I don't even know if I knew what the difference between minor and major was back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh... 20 minutes later, kid's walking down the street with his rig on a dolly, plugs into the outlet on the tree, and just rips. No shit. I was like, what? You know? <laughs> 10 years later, we're playing together all the time. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so the four of us went in the studio, recorded this song, and, um, you know, Funky B and other things was a working title because it's a funky type song, um, and the working title stuck. Yeah. But what it's about is just about, um, you know, stop bitching about what you can't control. Yeah. You know, like, like and like, who are we talking about? What are we talking about? Why are we talking about it? Like, let's talk about shit that elevates. Yeah. You know, like no drama, no crap. Just like, what are we doing to move our life forward? Yeah. You know I mean? and, and I think one of the things that like I really learned throughout my life and, and all the different ups and downs is like, what do we eat? And what I mean by that is what are we listening to? What are we watching? What are we reading? Not just like, eating healthy food or whatever like what are we ingesting into our soul mm -hmm. you know and for me one of the things i really learned is i have found it easier to input positive things in my life as opposed to removing negative things mm -hmm. so um if you know i don't drink i'll smoke i'm sober um i'm not opposed to any of that stuff i just know for me i i'm much more functional in that in that way and so um you know, instead of thinking to myself, I mean, we play in bars all the night, you know, my brain thinking of like, I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink. No, like, how about I go work out? How about I do these things? And so if I fill my day with positive stuff, one, I have less time just mathematically to right. do stupid shit. Right. 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 And if I fill my day with positive stuff, I'm probably a little bit more tired and uh, maybe I'm just, ah. I'm done, you know, I'm done yeah. for the day. Let me just chill and, and be done. So yeah. um, that's really helped me. And so this song is just kind of like about that. Like, like what are you, what are you investing in yourself, you mm -hmm. know? And like everything affects everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if I go home and I eat a bag of chips, which I'm definitely capable of doing, and we're talking about a big bag, not uh, one that goes in your lunchbox, you know? <laughs> 
like Costco size shit. Hell for yeah, the week. bro. That's it, bro. Put on Netflix. Yeah, I'm done. You know? yeah. and guess what? I don't do shit that night. I probably don't feel that great the next day. You right. know, and and the clearer I've gotten, um, the more I now realize when I'm doing something that doesn't elevate me. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it, and it's been that long fucking journey, you know, uh, like I said earlier, I had three DUIs from the end of 2013, 2014. I fought my third DUI in court for over three years in 2017. I had to go to prison for four months, mm. not 10 city, Arizona department of corrections, prison convicted felon because, uh, you know, third DUI is a felony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just thought about it the other day, four years one month removed from being out of prison hmm. you know i've got engaged we bought and sold a house i put out an album i released singles i've put out two albums actually um i've done a lot of cool shit, mm-hmm. you know um and run 48 marathons and, and raised over forty thousand dollars for charity so you know literally all the cliches are cliches until they're real right mm-hmm. but like literally step by step I made it to California <laughs> step by step. We've done these things. And so like sometimes, you know, we want to, we all want to just get there. You know, we all just want the money and the financial freedom and the recognition and, you know, the spot on, you know, the late night show or whatever, but it takes steps. You know, maybe we get lucky. Maybe we hit one out the park and that's amazing. I'm always going to be swinging for out the park, but it doesn't stop me from taking the small steps every day. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. changed my life. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of got into running in prison. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? You did do your research. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, what? You know, fine. Um, Hashtag Sharfoam. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> Fucking Sharfoam. R- R- Rhythm Room 2015. That's I, I don't right. even know. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, yeah. The, I mean, I remember. Um, I remember hearing that, and 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 I mean. It's just kind of crazy to, to think of that moment, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to what you're doing now yeah. and how that literally th- those first steps have evolved into, I mean, a big part of your life, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. do you do you see yourself, I mean, obviously the, the nonprofit will continue, but do you see this as a tool that you will do, uh, or not a tool that you will do, but a, 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 a method moving forward like is it is it going to be a the thing you know yeah man i you know um prison wasn't cool um (laughs) hashtag hashtag prison isn't cool yeah i think we should straight up straight straight up jesus um i was on a minimum yard i saw somebody die Hmm. uh i saw fights uh there's plenty of drugs to do Hmm. if you wanted to do that i got approached to be a runner for drugs um i mean it was wild bro Hmm. and that was a minimum yard you know and so um i kind of kept to myself um i ran i read um thank the lord there was a chaplain that showed up about twice a week whenever the hell he wanted to but he had two at best 50 dollar pawn shop nylon string guitars that he would loan out i wrote 20 songs in there uh had been years since i didn't have a recording device so uh when i first wrote my first song which is on the album that came out in june me the moon and you um you know i wrote it in my little journal and i just kept singing it over and over because i didn't want to forget it right and i didn't want to get the guitar again right and so then it created this like 
momentum. I'm like, well, I got to get a guitar again so I could practice this one. And then I wrote another one. And then I wrote another one, you know? Wow. And I remember telling my girl as I was getting close to getting out, I was like, I wrote 20 songs. She's like, my girl is just real, right? She's like Adam Army Hill. She's from the 505, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like yeah. you know, two knives in the air, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, she's like, well, are they all good ones? <laughs> oh, I love it. And I was like, what? <laughs> This is a collect call. You think now's the time? Right, right. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> Half of them are about you, right, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, man, so like uh, created this momentum. I, I ran a marathon in there because I, I was just trying to find something to pass the time, and that's what everybody talked about, right? So I just created this like self-made nine-week program. I had never run more than 10 miles, which I did once in my life. And um, I was just like, well, what would it be? The math and blah, blah. And there's 102 laps around the yard. And I'll keep ramping up my miles for, for nine weeks. And so the Sunday before Father's Day in 2017, I ran a marathon in a little more than five hours in the yard. Hmm. Everybody just thought I was the crazy gringo running laps. Hmm. And, um, and so then I got out. And while I was in there, I had this idea because, you know, one of the things that I was like super upset about or whatever is that I was in the middle of recording my album once I go do my dreams. I was like, oh, this just ruins everything. Like, I'm, I, you know, it's setting me back, you right, know? Right, right. And so, but I had this idea that I was going to run. Um, I was like, okay, well, I get out. I'm going to contact a rock and roll marathon. Rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say like, I'm going to run a marathon and then you're going to put me on the main stage right. to play. Right, that's right. That's and, right. and so I, I tracked these people down i hounded them I, I sent emails i showed up at their office yeah um and uh they were awkward and finally uh, on my birthday in 2017 uh, my girl's like well, what do you want to do i was like take me to the office <laughs> and she's like really on your birthday i'm like i'm gonna guilt them i'm gonna tell them it's my birthday they yeah. need to freaking give me this gig you know and they did so in january 2018 that's what i used to promote it and that's where marathon musician was born I actually played with our Miho, miguel stanley were on the gig so i ran the full marathon four hours and 20 something minutes 45 minutes later we're on the main stage going on right after everclear i almost lost it too like there was a moment my knees buckled and miguel saw me and he's like "Mm." he's like (laughs) you okay bro um and so like it's weird you know um whether it's COVID, whether it's whatever, like, what are we making of it? You know? Mm -hmm. And, um, although I never want to go back, never want to do it again. You know, I probably would have never done that. I would never run to, to, you know, Burbank, California if I didn't go to prison, which is wild to say, you know, right. To find the silver lining in an experience like that just means you're really good at finding silver lining in what to many other people, would be a completely shitty scenario, you know. I think sometimes, too, like, we don't know the silver lining until we can look back. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's a quote from a Steve Jobs book that I read while in prison that said, you cannot connect the dots until you can look back on them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we really look back at all the different things, I don't know how you met the guys in Sweet Remains and what brought you out here and, and all these different things that you've done, you know, like... We don't know until we can look back and be yeah. like, oh, well, this connected to this, and then that's what led me to this. And it's like, wow, like you would, I would have never, I never had an intention to run a marathon. Right. Ever. Right. How did it affect your body physically? Like, how are you, I mean, what sort of prep do you need to do? So, year one was Undiscovered Territory. Um, I had just read David Goggins' book, um, Who's a Beast of a Man Who Changed His Life, was like 300 pounds decided he was going to become a Navy SEAL and 
lost 100 pounds in 90 days, became a Navy SEAL, broke the pull-up bar record, has run 240 miles at one time. He's just ridiculous. He's right? yeah. But his book is called Can't Hurt Me. And in the book, he talks about whenever you think you're done, you've only hit 40%. And so that stuck with me. And so year one, I just went for it, right? You know, uh, I, I was sure Ellen was going to open the door. Yeah. How could she not? How could she not? I ran here from Phoenix. <laughs> did you did you hear what I just said? I just ran here from another state. Yes. yes. Jesus Christ. And so um, it was devastating. Year one was devastating. I mean, like, you know, um, I would stretch in the morning, go through whatever routine I had at the time. I would ice bath at night. I would stretch at night. You know, my girl took care of me. Nobody will know everything that she's done for me, especially during the, those times. And um, I had issues with my leg. We wrapped it up on like day three or four. I had allergic reaction to the wrap. My leg blistered. And when we pulled it it off, it it was awful. Some of the worst pain I've ever heard. Some of the worst pain I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, but my whole thing, and it's always kind of been, is like completion. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've never been like, I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. I was just like, I just got to complete this thing. You know? Mm -hmm. And so we did that year two. Um, I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I was uh, training with the 20 pound vest. Cause like when I do this, I have like a 15 pound camelback with water and food and a battery pack to charge my shit and whatever. And so year two, I was training with the 20 pound vest. So that way, when I went to the 15 pound pack, it would feel lighter. Right. Uh, Yeah. I I felt like ready, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, completed last year. Um, I, I remember I got through day four and like, I still was like taking out the trash, you know, mm-hmm. I was like actually living life. I was like, I, I could help with the dishes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. year one, I was like on the couch, like, a, oh my God, yeah. like uh, done. Yeah. And so there was improvement, but something happened this year. So, uh, a, f- a few years ago I was in the back of a lift, uh, when I still wasn't driving cause of all the DUI stuff. Um, and they lost their brakes, slammed into a parked car, fucked up my neck. What? Yeah. This is like 2018, I think, or something like that. Or 2000, Jesus. 2009. I don't know when, when, but it's in the summertime. And, um, and so what happens is weird. Like it's only happened three times, once after the accident and twice this year, early this year. Um, I'm, I'm sleeping. I go to like roll over and just there's a shift that happens in my neck. It feels like a chiropractic adjustment uh-huh. and then just this insane nerve pain throughout my whole neck and like back like debilitating um and um you can ask buddy banks he's seen me when it's happened and i'm just at a gig like just trying to get through it holy shit and um and so i mean we got bills right right and so that happened earlier this year i never was able to really catch um you know conditioning training wise and then i think about nine ten weeks ago now you know I was like feeling better. I was like, all right, I got to get it. And so like, I was like, I was running, I was going to the gym. There's this, uh, awesome golden area Muay Thai class in North Scottsdale. I go to and train with Nick. And, uh, I went there and I was exhausted and out of shape. And it was at the end of class and this big guy threw a knee and he fractured my rib. And, um, and so I literally didn't even start running again until two weeks before this year's marathons. Right. And I was like, and I kept just telling my brain, this isn't the event this is your training. Mm. So I just kept trying to tell my brain, like these marathons are, it's your training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, right, right. 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 This right. isn't the show. Right. This is the practice. Right. Right. And so 
I did that. And I think on day four, day five, um, I was talking to my fiance's dad and he said something to me that piqued my interest. So when I, when I ran the rock and roll marathon, just like an actual event with people cheering you on and giving you bananas and water, I did it in like four hours and 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, and so when I started this year, day one, it took me seven and a half hours. Day two, six and a half hours. Day three, six and a half hours. Day four, five and a half hours. And he said something that made me think, well, what, you know, what had I done years past? So I look back. Year one was insane. It was way longer than we'll even talk about. But in year two, the best marathon I ever ran, when I felt fully prepared, 20-pound vest training, getting treatments, like I'm ready, mm-hmm. was five and a half hours. Hmm. So I literally had matched my best time ever with zero training. Right, right. And my brain was like unlocked. It was like, well, how? Right. Mental strength is the only thing I could come up with. And so then the next day, day five, just because I wanted to know, I ran five hours and 25 minutes. Five minutes doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot. Oh, yeah. And it was in Flagstaff through the hills, elevation. Elevation, yeah. And it just unlocked my brain. I said, well, if I could beat my best time, Mm-hmm. on no training, what am I capable of? Okay. And so it, it really has unlocked this thing. And this year, more than any other year, was my best year physically. Huh. I like, I lived my life. Uh, people hit me up that needed gigs covered. I handled it. I emailed potential clients. Right. I had phone calls with clients after marathons about future weddings i went toe-to-toe with ellen's lawyers and i won you know like (laughs) i crazy it was insane like i literally have never felt more proud more vindicated more just full of victory yeah yeah um and and so now it's like well what's next so like I, i i believe the marathons um will always be a part of my life i feel that um uh suffering on on a certain level uh opens new doors and so this year we've raised more money than we've ever raised and one of the most exciting things to me is that um there's a a younger couple that i played their wedding i believe it was in june um and she happened to be an ultra marathon runner which ultra just means anything longer than a marathon Mm -hmm. and um she sent me this message on instagram and and just said um lee i'm so inspired by you it's not just what you're running it's the fact that you're sharing your struggle with all of us you're Mm -hmm. you're crying you're sharing your fear of you know day 14 i had a really bad issue with my left foot and so going into day 15 i was afraid i literally my mind was like freaking out like what's going to happen today you know and um she's like i'm so inspired by it she's like i know you're going through the stuff still and you're going to have to recover. But when you're recovered, I want to sit down. I want to have lunch with you. I want to know how I could be part of your organization. How could I help the business side? And how can I use my ultra marathon running to bring more awareness to the charity? And so like, I didn't know going to prison would be my first marathon. I didn't know that it would lead to all these sort of things talking about how the dots connect. Mm -hmm. And now this year we're only doing it for the Arizona charities and I feel like so many more people supported it. Now I have someone who wants to be a part of the organization. So like, I feel like we're ascending. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't know where you're going. And, I, and one of the things the marathons taught me too is it taught me to accept that I don't know what this day is going to bring. I can't expect to run at any certain time. You know, something might happen. I could trip. I could fall. I could have stomach issues, foot issues, whatever. But 
get the job done. Mm. Well, you're over raised over 17, right? Over, over 17, 17 this year. Yeah. 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 That's and awesome. already have commitment from Sanderson Lincoln that, um, so we're letting donations continue through the end of the month. Okay. Um, and where do people go? 16 by 16 X 16 dot org. Uh, close six one six X one six INC. Gotcha. Dot org. Okay. Um, hundred percent donations <laughs> go to the three Arizona charities. I don't take a dime. Um, and Sanderson's already committed that they're going to be the last donation. So wherever we're at, they'll take us to the next G. Nice. So if we stay at 17, 300, wherever we are now, they'll take us to 18. Great. If we clear 18, they'll take us to 19. Awesome. Yeah. Man. End of the month. All right. End of August or September? August. Yeah. Okay. So we, I don't know if this will come out before then, but, um, yeah. So August 31st will be the last day, maybe September 1st. I know, uh, my grandparents mailed the check. So <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Wait, well, yeah, you'll wait until you get the check from your grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why they mailed it. They live like 20 minutes away, but yeah. <laughs> it's they're, old school. They're old school. Old yeah. school. They don't, no online transactions. Yeah, that's they, right. Mm-mm. No. If I can't feel it, if I can't touch it, <laughs> shit is, doesn't exist. Um, f- thanks, brother, for, for coming. And yeah. uh, great, to, great to rap and... and uh, Chad Gregor, you're special. Chad, you, Chad, you're just the most special. I, we're just over here just thinking you're so special. And not, well, I'm not digging on you. This is not a, a short bus special type thing. <laughs> this is just, I fucking love you, and you're yeah. one of my best friends. Yeah. This is the table? This is the this table. This is the table. That he built that he with built. his own two hands. Dude, I mean, he's worked on my, my girl's truck. Yeah. He's picked me up from jail. Yeah. You know? He's, he, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a keeper, that guy. You call him? And if he's in the Ozark Mountains, yes, he will come oh. down. He will descend down <laughs> on some oil rig. <laughs> That's right. And come up from the water and help and be you. there. Yeah, and build you a table on, on his steering wheel on the downbeat. <laughs> That's right. The whole fucking way. That's right. Uh, hey man, thank you. Yeah. Uh, for for receiving my intuit I messages. It. I love it. Yeah. And and for doing what you do, man. Like I, the thing <clears throat> I told my girl. Um, uh, she didn't ask why, but I answered the question for her. <laughs> <laughs> I gave her the question and the answer yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I was like, I, I just want it to be Brian because yeah. you have such a, uh, an energy about you and, and, um, not like character funny, but you have character and you've always, I've always felt comfortable with you and, and the way you interact with people, I feel you make people comfortable and, I think, you know, when, when you started this podcast, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, like, you're insightful. You have experience to share. Um, you're inspiring. I remember sitting down with you at the yard on 7th Street just asking you questions about how do you play more original music at these gigs? How do you feel comfortable with it? What, what do you pay your musicians to do these studio sessions and stuff? And you've always been so forthcoming and open. And, and, and that's what this scene is here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we truly, genuinely all support each other. We yeah. root for each other. And I just think, I think it's cool what you're doing, man. Well, that's, that's high praise. I, I and I got to say, likewise, man, you're, you're equally, uh, inspiring i mean not and not even i mean we haven't even really talked that much about music which is <laughs> fucking insane but you know an incredible musician and, and then and then this whole other side of you which i find fascinating i don't even know how you find the fucking time or the jesus it's it's inspiring and i and i've been meaning to sit down and i'm glad that 
that our brain waves found each other, but um, literally, yeah, I, I just, I'm really impressed and, and, um, thankful that, that we get to be colleagues and, and fucking friends in this, in this great scene. And oh, I, yeah. so I hope we get to make some music together at some point. Yeah. You know? And, uh, uh, just to let you know, this episode has been sponsored by Sharfoam. You can call <laughs> 1-800-SHARFOAM. It is the best insulation. It is organic, vegan, GMO-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will find yourself singing like you've never sang before. <laughs> Somehow it helps you sing. I don't, we don't know yet. That hasn't been tested. But we're pretty sure it's true. One, two, three, four. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you, thank you. Yes, sir. So the story goes.